Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda, and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada. And this is a place where I talk about all things kindergarten. I pick a topic for the week, and I just start, you know, sharing my thoughts, my learnings, uh, my ideas around that topic. And I love having a platform where I get to reflect on my practices in the classroom and make sure that I'm making, you know, decisions and moving forward with ideas that are within the best interests of the students that I teach and always having that reflective practice come into play when I'm thinking about, you know, the things that I'm bringing to the classroom. Uh, This is episode, I just checked, number 97, I'm pretty sure, of the podcast. I took a break over the holidays and then I took a break um, while I got used to virtual learning. For those of you that are not in Ontario, um, we went into virtual learning for the two weeks after the holiday break. So we taught virtually for two weeks and now we're maybe probably going back into the classroom tomorrow. That's the plan. I know that our government likes to change their mind at the very last second all the time. So as far as I know, as of tomorrow, we'll be back in the classroom in person. And so I'm getting back into that kind of routine of it. So the podcast is back for the new year. I'm really excited. We're almost at 100 episodes, which is pretty fantastic. I don't know if I should do something special for the 100th episode. I have no idea what to do for it. So if you have any great ideas, please let me know. Um, I don't even never like never, ever, ever thought I would get to 100 episodes or even close to 100 episodes. So it kind of just feels surreal that I'm even close to that at this moment. So um, I should think ahead and think about what I should do for the 100th episode of this podcast. But um, I was asking over on Instagram what I should do for this week's podcast episode and I was getting some responses back. One of the responses I got back, which I wish I could answer a bit better because I know that this is um, something that educators are really struggling with right now and it's hybrid learning. So you have students that are in person in the classroom and as an educator, you are simultaneously teaching to students that are online. Um, some of the school boards and districts I know across Canada and the United States have implemented this model of learning. I don't know who exactly benefits from the hybrid model. Um, I don't know if they are saving so much money on the hybrid model that it makes it worth it to, you know, do it this to educators. It just seems like a crazy practice to me. Um, luckily, I'm going to knock on wood. Uh, that is not a model that my school board has taken on. Uh, We are just either online as educators, we are either teaching online or either teaching in person. There is no like hybrid model that has been put in place as of right now. Who knows at this point? Because I think everything, every common sense, good reasoning has been thrown to the wind at this point. But as of right now, that is not a thing. So I don't really have any real like ideas or Like I haven't lived through that as an educator to be able to share any suggestions about hybrid teaching. I would only suggest maybe, you know, having a microphone so that you can still walk around the classroom and students can, you know, hear you. Um, There's also like tripods that you can get for cameras, like a streaming camera with a tripod so that you could just set that up in your classroom and you don't have to worry about like, you know, walking around the classroom and making sure you're in view of your laptop camera if a streaming um camera is something that is like available to you you know you could set something up like that i can't even imagine trying to teach simultaneously online 
and um, in person, I would very much be utilizing uh, virtual slideshows and things like that, even for the in-person classroom, so that you know that you can broadcast it to the students that are in your classroom, but also to the students that are online at the same time. Other than that, I don't really have any other suggestions other than, you know, hopefully it's only for this year. And then once you get through it, you'll be on the other side of it. And, you know, you'll be able to bring those experiences uh, to your future uh, teaching career and, you know, just adding tools to that toolbox. I, I am with you in my spirit because I can't, even through all of this, Adding to that would hybrid teaching, I think, would put me over the edge at this point. But yeah, that's that seems like a really difficult thing to be doing. And I um, appreciate that you want advice and are seeking advice on that. And I apologize that I don't have anything better to suggest because, yeah, that's that's not something I have taught with um, at the moment. So yeah, so that wasn't the topic that I'm going to choose to have this podcast episode on. Um, instead, um, another suggestion came in to talk about outdoor learning. And I thought that that would be a great topic for this week, just because they are suggesting, you know, more extended time outside to limit, you know, um, how much exposure and germ passing can happen. You know, it, it's a lot, uh, I guess, quote unquote, safer when we're outside rather than inside. So I am going to talk about outdoor learning and give you some suggestions, some tips, some things that I have learned about uh, outdoor education um, in kindergarten. First off, before I even begin this podcast episode about um, outdoor learning, I have already done an episode back on episode number 43. So this was a while ago. I did an episode on outdoor learning. I will link that in the show notes for you if you want to go back and listen to that one. I did not re-listen to what I said during that podcast episode. I have no idea what I said. (laughs) So um, this could be repeating a lot of the same information. It could be contradicting the information that I gave in that one. But really, I'm just going to be talking about outdoor learning and where I am in my understanding and in my professional learning about uh, outdoor education. So I want to make sure that um, if that's something you want to go listen to, I will link it in the show notes and you can go have a listen to that if you want any more ideas about outdoor learning um, from me, I guess. I've already mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but I want to mention it again. I am in Ontario, Canada, and so we have a kindergarten program document that we follow. It's like our curriculum, and I am basing a lot of my understanding and my um, ideas on outdoor education on that like curriculum document on our program document so if you are in a different province or if you're in the united states you might have some like vastly different uh curriculums or programs that you would have to follow so um please make sure that you are referring to your program in the instances where i'm referring to our program if you do not have an outdoor education like part in your curriculum um then I guess you can do whatever you want for outdoor education. So we are lucky enough in Ontario, I know that this is not the same in the States and all places, that there is a huge emphasis put on outdoor learning. It is clearly stated in our kindergarten program that that is a part of our students' kindergarten day, that you know, um, learning outdoors is uh, just as important as learning on the in, in, in inside. <laughs> Jeez Louise, it's just as important as learning inside. So 
that is very explicitly outlined for us. I know that that is not something that is outlined for a lot of educators around the world. So that we have that in our program, I think is fundamental to how we perceive outdoor education. The first thing I'm going to talk about right now, though, is the difference between outdoor education and like playtime. So my students can go outside during recess. Again, this is something that, you know, I know doesn't happen a lot in the States in some districts. I've read about, you know, some crazy like only having like 20 minutes of recess time for the whole day or 20 minutes of outdoor time for the whole day. That is not the case for our students. They uh, have... 10 uh, 15 minutes in a recess in the morning that they go outside and then a half an hour at lunch and then 10 minutes in the afternoon that's like what's built into the school day just for the whole entire school population as kindergarten educators we can then play around with this so that we can access the outdoor space when it is a time that is convenient for us and at a time that you know works best for us as kindergarten educators um Getting students ready to go outside for 10 minutes of outdoor play and putting on snow pants and getting them all ready in their like all of the stuff that they need to do just to play outside for 10 minutes is not necessarily worth it um, for us most of the year. I'm not saying like in the summer when they just like change shoes and run outside, it's not worth it. But in the winter, we've decided that that 10 minutes in the afternoon is not necessarily when we are going to go outside to play um, because we have usually our... um, phys ed right after that recess time so we can't really extend it um, any more than that 10 minutes so instead what we do in the morning we go out for a huge chunk of recess time recess for me is different than outdoor education time recess is free play they get to play around and i'm not saying that they are not learning while they're doing this of course they're learning they're learning lots of social skills they are they can be learning about different math concepts about different literacy concepts their oral communication skills their problem solving skills they're learning a ton i'm just saying like in the more formal sense that um i'm not seeing that as like designated outdoor education time that is their recess time that is their play time that is when they can do what they want um so that is recess they have at least uh 20 minutes of that in the morning at least usually it's closer to a half hour and then a half an hour of that at lunch so per day they get an hour of just outdoor play time which i think is amazing and you know that is just the minimum that children should be getting in the school day of course rain rainy days or like extreme cold days that can differ but i'm just talking about in general that's usually the amount of time that they get so that's their recess time um, when I'm taught and that's their like free play. Then we go into outdoor education time that might be a little bit more planned or structured than that uh, free play. So if we think back to the uh, pedagogy of play, I think it's called and there's four parts to, um, you know, play-based learning in the kindergarten program there's the part that is free play there's the part that it's child-led there's a part that it's um, teacher-led and then there's a part that's teacher instruction so those are the four parts if we're thinking about outdoor learning you know recess could be that outdoor uh, free play time when it's completely child-led 
And then there could be other times when it's a little bit more structured where maybe we were bringing um, tools and things outside for the children to uh, play with, to explore, where we give them materials and they get to use those materials in any way that they want. So if we're going outside and, you know, maybe we bring out some magnifying glasses and we have some notebooks and we have, I don't even know, I'm drawing a blank on anything that we could have been bringing outside, but we bring some of those materials outside and the students can use them in any way that they want. That's more child-led, but you know, um, kind of teacher initiated with the materials, but then child-led. Other times, maybe we are picking materials and letting the child or the students, you know, uh, use the materials in any way that they want. Um, we uh, were very fortunate enough to have a budget given to us last year for our school. So there was a whole bunch of loose parts that were purchased for our outdoor education classroom. There was a whole bunch of materials that were purchased. So I could be picking materials and we could be talking about making patterns and we could go outside and make patterns with it. That's if we decide to even use the outdoor space with specific materials. So there's bringing the learning that's happening inside the classroom outside instead of doing everything about patterning inside the classroom, maybe we're going outside and doing it. Other times there's more teacher-led experiences. We've gone on community walks where basically we're not allowed to go too far from the school, but we go around, you know, the school's parking lot. There's a uh, not a path. There's a sidewalk that goes around the parking lot. We've taken that sidewalk and we've taken a long walk around the school and we've had students point out patterns that they see and we get pictures of them and we made a whole book out of the pictures that we took of all the patterns. We've also done it with 2D shapes of all the different 2D shapes that the kids saw. And so that's more of a teacher-led activity where we are just going outside and you know bringing that learning that could be happening in the indoor space and we're bringing it outside. So you know looking for patterns or 2D shapes in nature and taking pictures of that and then bringing that back inside and talking about it and writing about it. So there's really a lot that you can do and you can play around with you know free choice of materials, having different provocation set up, having more teacher-led discussion set up. Um, you could use your outdoor space as um, a space where you could be reading books together. There's lots that we can do um, by bringing the inside learning outside. So that's one aspect of um, you know, the outdoor learning that could be happening. And in our kindergarten program, it talks a lot about the nature deficit that children are experiencing. We know as educators, we've seen it happening that uh, devices and being inside and, you know, consuming media in different formats is, you know, what children, not all children, but a lot of our students, that's how they are spending most of their time, especially with our past two weeks being virtual learning. When we're going back into the classroom this tomorrow, my teaching partner have already talked about it. We're both bringing our snow pants. We're going right outside. We want to make sure that we are, you know, balancing out that nature deficit that students are experiencing. And we want to make sure that um, we are bringing the students back outside and providing them that space to just be in our outdoor space, be within nature and um, really developing that connection to the outdoor space that we are, you know, uh, learning in. So a lot of the times, 
uh, when we're doing this outdoor learning, we think of two different kind of spaces that we have available to us. So as an educator, you can really think about the spaces that you have. So our kindergarten yard is gated and is its own space and all the kindergarten classrooms all five of our kindergarten classrooms share that gated space um that is kind of like a space where we can have free play we can have choices with different materials and we can do a lot of learning and a lot of running around whatever they want to do but then there's the space that you have to think about outside of the gate and of course every single school is going to be different not everybody can leave their kindergarten gate yard i fully understand that but if you are able to we want to really think about the spaces that you have available to you that are safe for students to you know go to to visit or whatever so it could really be anything i have heard of you know some schools that have access to like rivers or streams or stuff that are close by you know that you could have uh, a space that has a lot of rocks or you can have just a green space. Our, our school, um, luckily enough, has a butterfly garden that in the summer we can go and sit in. Um, we also have like a little... Um, they call it the forest. Our students call it the forest. It is not a forest. It is a small wooded area that is close to our school that we can walk to because um, it's like right next to our soccer field so it's still really on school property and we can go walk to that to the woods and go see the trees and observe nature from there so I also think about the space that is outside of our gates outside of that space um, and how we can connect to the to the natural environment that is outside of the gated room the gated spaces that you know are kind of that that safety space um, students might um, feel uh, safe within that gated space as an educator I feel very safe having them within that space once we travel outside of that I know I start to get nervous because I want to make sure that I'm bringing all my students back into the classroom safe and sound and so it's kind of pushing those boundaries for the kids and really um, getting them to think about how they can keep themselves safe and keep others safe how we can make sure that you know if we're traveling with 25 students you know i can't have them like just running everywhere that they want to run how can we travel safely how can we make sure that we are keeping ourselves safe but also keeping our peers safe and making sure that you know we're conscious of how our actions are affecting the people around us and not only the people around us but also nature around us we can't just run around and you know, break branches off of trees or run through the garden and trample the, the flowers. We have to be really aware of our surroundings. And I think that that's very important for our students to learn. And they might not be, you know, getting those experiences outside of school. So I love that we are able to provide them with some of those experiences. Another part that the uh, kindergarten program in Ontario talks about is providing our students with a sense of place and really getting like we don't have to keep traveling to different spaces we don't it's not like we have to like make it a big deal that we're going to visit a new space every time we go outside we don't have to um have like a great green space that they get to visit it could be anything it could be a special tree um, that you really enjoy um, watching it transform. It could be a tree that, you know, the students come to love, a tree that maybe you go read stories under and you talk about. It could be just a tree. It could be a garden. It could be a special rock. Um, for us, it's that forested place that's near our school. 
and really developing that deep connection to that to that place and creating that sense of place within the natural environment and then that students can start seeing the changes that are happening to it so if it is a tree how are you know is it getting bigger how are the how are the roots looking what do the leaves look like um, what do we do to take care of this tree? Uh, all those kinds of pieces fall into place when we're talking about, you know, our natural environment and creating that sense of place can be really important for our students to connect with the land that they are learning on and really um, developing like that sense of caring for the land and really being empathetic to what is happening to the land that they learn that they're learning on and that they live on. Um not all students live in the community that they're, well, I guess they would all live in the community that their school is in, but they might not live like super near where their school is. So, but for us, we have a walking school. So all the students that come to our school live very close to the school um, because they, it's just how our school system is set up. They all just live within like walking distance to the school. So when we are, for us, it's even more special maybe just because they live in that community as well and you can see a park through the trees and they all go to that park together and developing that that sense of place becomes even more so because it's not just the place that they're they're learning on it's the place that they live as well so um, we really do enjoy going to that forested space so it's there's times when we might just stay within the gate and we might do our learning within the gate and this might be an extension of the learning that's happening within the classroom with different literacy concepts or math concepts or whatever it is we're learning in the classroom but then when we go beyond the gate I feel like there's opportunities for so much other types of learning to take place and you know, uh, their oral language skills that they're developing when they're talking about what they're seeing, when they are making those connections to the land, we're taking pictures of things that they're seeing and bringing them back into the classroom and talking about them. They're asking questions about things that we can look up and research with them. They're observing like the changes that they might see over time in that space and you know, learning about how to take care of the natural world and developing all those skills as well. And not to mention like the gross motor skills that it takes for us to walk to uh, that forested area. There's a big hill that we have to climb up. So, you know, some of my little ones have a hard time climbing up that hill. And I, you know, have to hold their hands so they don't tumble back down uh, down the hill um, when we're climbing up. But, you know, it's they're also developing gross motor skills, just walking and like getting to that place. So, you know, when when we're talking about outdoor learning, we're not just even talking about... Um, like some specific science or math or literacy expectations, you know, that we can check inside of a box. Like there's so much learning that can happen for so many different students. And it gives us the opportunity to really uh, provide a space for students to grow and experience, you know, uh, learning in nature, which I think is so important. And I, and I've said it before, but this is like part of my learning as an educator is I want to get better at taking students onto the land and really taking the time out of our schedule and scheduling it in and making it a priority because I feel like sometimes that's what falls by the wayside. 
Um, when we're planning for a week, we might not plan around going outside and taking that time to go on the land. But I want to make sure that that as an educator, I'm always putting that in the forefront of my mind that there is so much learning that happens in the outdoor space that, you know, I wanted to make it a priority for my students and I feel like sometimes I just get lost in the sauce of daily, you know, the daily grind of just getting through the day and, you know, get, getting all the math skills and all the literacy skills. And, oh, we have to do this for science. And, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. Uh, we have to do small groups. And, oh, my gosh, I haven't had a time to do a writing small group this week. And I haven't had time to do this. And I feel like sometimes I just need to take a step back and really think about what is important for my students at this time. And especially now with that um, nature deficit that we are seeing more and more, Every year I find that that is a priority for a lot of my students and um, I have to take a step back a lot of the time and make sure that I'm putting that as the number one thing. My teaching partner and I always talk about that and um, especially this coming week we're going to get so much snow it sounds like um, overnight tonight and into tomorrow that you know our students are going to be excited about seeing all that snow so let's take advantage of that let's take advantage of how excited they are to be outside and to be playing in the snow and we're just going to go outside and do it i get a lot of times i have you know um educators ask me like oh but the students aren't dressed properly to go outside that is an obstacle sometimes where i have students that don't come in properly dressed but i talk to families about it and a lot of the times the families come to an understanding that, oh, this is something that is important. If it's ever a family that I have an inkling, it's, um, you know, a, a money issue that they can't afford to buy, you know, multiple pairs of uh, mitts and socks and hats and whatever it is that the child needs. You know, that's when um, our admin, that's when our admin can step in. That's what they're there for, to pro provide resources to our families. There's ways that we can do it. Um, our school's lost and found always has like a million lost pairs of mittens and hats and things in it like take those home wash them after they've been there for a while take them home wash them and have an I always have um, a pile of extra hats and mitts sitting in our classroom ready for students to come and grab if they need it we per tell parents you know send in two or three pairs of socks and hats and mitts for the students to wear because they are going to get wet and they don't have enough time to dry between the times that we go outside. So make sure you're providing your student with enough hats and mitts um, to last the whole day. Things like that. Um, just making sure that, you know, you're communicating with families. And I know that there are some families out there that, you know, might not be able to provide that for their students. But as educators, you know, we can be creative and we can find other ways to provide that for students so that they can be successful and they can still have those opportunities to learn in an outdoor space because we know it's so important. There are different resources within the community as well. Um, you know, you might have parent uh, committees like the parent volunteer committee or whatever. You might have, you know, again, the lost and found, your admin. You could ask local stores uh, to donate, you know, the the older sets of hats and mitts. Uh, maybe you're, you can have a little bit of a budget to go to the dollar store and buy some extra hats and mitts and things to have in your classroom for your students. I know that at some times, you know, it can be frustrating as an educator, you know, you want your students to be successful and you want your students to be able to succeed and you might not have the resources available to help them do that. But getting creative and getting them ready to be in the outdoor space can sometimes be, you know, one of those things that especially some of our students, they really need. So 
I'm always thinking about those little peanuts that might need some extra some extra help and just you know providing them with those things um the extra hats and mitts and stuff i usually keep them in our classroom i don't usually send them home with students um i've never had a student that i knew needed extra hats and mitts to go home with them if i ever did i would let them take them but um usually i tell the students to give them back to me um i want to make sure they are put out to dry so that they're used the next day they're useful for the students the next day and i want to make sure that you know they're coming back and that i have enough for uh, the students that really need them. But yeah, um, I just, you know, over the years, you just collect extra hats and mitts and things to keep in the classroom. And that's just one of the things that uh, is put in place to force students to be successful. But yeah, I think that's all I have right now about outdoor learning and being in an outdoor environment. Um, another thing that I'm constantly learning about, not constantly learning about, that I'm continuously learning about is, you know, embedding the Indigenous lens of being on the land. We want to teach about history. We do not teach about culture. So um, that is not my place as a non-Indigenous person. I don't teach about Indigenous uh, Indigenous culture. I teach about Indigenous history and embedding an Indigenous lens into my teaching. So if we're teaching about the land and caring for the land, that's embedding an Indigenous lens and talking about the people who are here before us and who are still here now that have taken care of the land um, for you know thousands of years to make sure that we still have that land right now to take care of us as well and having that reciprocal relationship with the land what can we give the land as it gives um, how can we take care of the land so it can continue to you know take care of us and provide us uh, a beautiful space for learning and living uh, in our lives and having that kind of lens embedded in how we are teaching is uh, how I embed Indigenous lens. You know, you're not going to uh, teach about, uh, what is it called? I always forget the name of it. The medicine wheel. We're not going to talk teaching about the medicine wheel to our students because again, that's a part of Indigenous culture. That is not my role as an educator to teach, um, an, a non-Indigenous educator to teach students about the medicine wheel or about talking sticks and things like that. That is not my role, just as I wouldn't have my students building a quote unquote teepee or, you know, making their own totem poles or anything like that. Um, I would defer that to an Indigenous educator to bring that learning to my students. Instead, I am going to embed an Indigenous lens to the learning that is taking place in our classroom and making sure we're talking about you know who was here first and who continues to be here to take care of the land um, how we can have a reciprocal relationship with the land that is my role within um, the kindergarten classroom and how i perceive uh, teaching with an indigenous lens to be and that's where my learning is now um i continue to learn about this if you haven't read natural curiosity they have one but this number two natural curiosity two has um, an indigenous lens built into it and that i love that one it talks about um, if you live in a very pavement heavy um or not live but teach in a pavement heavy area where there isn't a lot of like green space i'm quote i'm putting in air quotes there in a lot of green space it even talks about how 
you know, you can find nature even within, you know, the concrete uh, and how important it is to still build that sense of place with your students, even if you don't have a lot of green spaces to visit with your students and how you can implement an outdoor education program within those kinds of spaces as well. And so if you're looking for that uh, Natural Curiosity 2, I will put a link in the, the show notes for you if you're looking for that book. is a great place to start with your outdoor learning education. They do a lot of webinars as well. If you are ever looking for you know, a webinar or something to, to listen to them talk about uh, Natural Curiosity, uh, they, you can follow them on Instagram and they always have some great webinars coming up. And I think that's it. If I think of any other resources uh, that are great for outdoor education, I will put it in the show notes for you. But I think that's all I can think of for now. Um, if you do not already follow me on Instagram, go over and follow me on Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts on outdoor education, how you implement outdoor education with your students and you know what your learning is around uh, outdoor education. On Thursdays, I post about that week, this week's podcast episode. So if you want to either, you can just private message me um, about it if you want to, or you can post about it on um, that post if you'd like to share it with other educators as well. I'd love to hear about um, how you are implementing outdoor learning with your students, which you found successful. That's over on Instagram. I'm at Creative Kindergarten Blog on TPT. If you just start typing in Creative Kindergarten, I'll pop up at some point. Um, I know it's pretty long. I'll link it in the show notes. You can also find me on Facebook, though I'm not there very often. So if I don't answer you on Facebook, I apologize. But uh, I, I'm also on Facebook sometimes. And you can send me an email through my blog. There's a contact me spot. I will put all the links for that in the show notes for you. If you like this podcast episode, make sure you leave me a rating. Apparently, that's important important. <laughs> so make sure you rate the podcast on whatever platform you're using. If you can make sure you're following this podcast. So you know, whenever I put out new episodes, which is usually every Tuesday. Um, thank you again so much for joining me. I really appreciate that. You know, there are people who listen to this podcast. I get messages all the time from people who um, are listening in and I just appreciate that so much. Thank you again for joining me and I will talk to you all next time. Bye.